0: This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and take the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, my name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Fest as well as Triangle Long. Well, I'm CEO of Pullmarch, cool a company that offers digital marketing and sales services for the Pest and Law Industries. And with me, as always, is the infamous Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our topic and our guest for today? Sure. Good morning. Our guest is Donnie
0: Shelton. Uh- yeah. <laughs> So it's going to be uh, the, the Donnie and Dan show, but the, the, the topic is pretty interesting. Uh, so uh, just uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm Dan Gordon, and I own a company of PCO Bookkeepers and PCO MA Specialists. We do accounting, um, tax work, and uh, exit planning for the pest control industry. And uh, today we are going to talk about, this is a really interesting topic, why it's important to view and treat your company as an investment. And this, I'll start this off by kind of saying, and I I say this for years, if if you've ever seen any of my uh, seminars and whatnot, a lot of times what I'll talk about is the two circles that um, make up your business, right? So uh, there is the income circle, and that's how you make your living, you pay your mortgage, put food on the table, et cetera. And if you built a good business it's predictable so you get a paycheck every week and you're able to do those things the second thing is the wealth circle and the wealth circle is the retirement aspect so if you work for a large company you work for AT&T or IBM or something you probably have some sort of pension and that pension you know they'll invest in various assets stock market whatever and and that goes up and down and and hopefully when you retire it's worth a whole bunch of money and you get to have that money when you're Retired, um, you know they might give you incentive shares and, and and this pension. But if you own a business, you may have a 401k, but it's probably not enough for you to retire. But what you have is your business, and that's your incentive share, uh, shares, and that's your pension. And you have to treat it like a a valuable investment. So those are the two circles: the the current, the income. You need your income, and then. The retirement asset or the wealth creation asset circle, and um, so I think that that's kind of uh, important. And um, with that, Donnie, you uh, you know you've been busy with Coal March, you've been busy with uh, Triangle. How how do
1: you uh, treat your business? Well, you know, I I think I'll get back to me. And, and first of all, I would tell people don't don't follow what I do. <laughs> I would, in general, you know, do as I I say, say, don't do as I do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, I, you know, one of the places I see people get in trouble with this is when they start viewing their business as a bank account and you don't see this in the larger companies. I mean, by the time someone's gotten to say 5 million, 10 million, they've, they've figured this part out. But, but, you know, when I was um, going around and in fact, when we were, doing Forgely, and we were doing you know, back office, and and I was helping a lot of owners kind of clean up their business. And, and Dan, I'm sure you see this as well. You know, generally speaking, a lot of folks who are kind of technician turned owner kind of view their business as a bank account. It's like, well, how much money do I have, and how much money can I get out of it? And what that turns into is short-term thinking. And so you'll see them into services like bird control which I'm not, I'm not a bird control hater so before i start getting emails from folks and bird control is great well it may be and that's true but but they go they swing for the fences with these high profit jobs that have zero value when it comes to long term You know well, and and I think about this in terms of bird control. I think of it in terms of tap insulation. And by the way, I don't want bird be gone, and I don't want tap calling me and saying that I'm trashing the product. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just making the point that when you look at these one-time services, you don't see this as much in termite. But back in the day, I can say back in the day now because you know I started back in 2006. But you know, back in the day, termite was a big deal. But the problem is, is that. When you build your company as a bank, and your your goal is to, you know, maximize dollars right now in one-time service, because there's no doubt there's big money in those services, you know, in in these multi-service um, arenas. But but the fact is, is that when you look at it in terms of the investment, it's basically worthless. And so, you know, one of the things that I and, and we've talked about By the way, this before, before you there, before,
0: just just uh, as far as i've I've seen companies uh you know uh, stumble across a bird job that a hundred thousand dollars but they don't have the skill if you don't have yeah. the skill to do a bird job a hundred thousand dollar bird job you are asking for a big problem right? <laughs> if, if that's what you think if if that's what you do that's fine but but you're absolutely right they're they're one time work they don't add value however, you can make a really good profit and if you're set up to do bird work fine but that's not your long term goal, so anyway, continue on because
1: i've I've, yes. I've seen that with birdworks and you know, as of late, the most recent example I've seen of this is bedbug work um and and by the way, you know we we were big into bedbugs. I was one of the first companies to bring heat into into Raleigh uh, in fact, I'll never forget this quick side story, but um you know when when bedbugs first came on the scene back in two thousand and seven. We went, we actually went to Massey and bought their Chromalock system. This is old, old stuff, right? I mean, Chromalock's had these big heaters. And so I had to find a way to introduce this concept of bed bug heating into Raleigh. And so I made this big conference out at the Holiday Inn and I invited out attorneys, I invited out apartment complexes. And by the way, that one conference fed us leads. I mean, it basically launched our bed bug business in Raleigh, but I'll never forget the manager of the Holiday Inn. Hey, i know this story time. this is a pretty funny oh my story gosh, he was so freaking pissed off because i get every dm search i do online says holiday in bed bugs because <laughs> 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 so, we had optimized a page for it then he was man he was he was all kinds of pissed off at us because basically it looked like the holiday end was infested with bed bugs and it was actually that conference but anyway so that that side story there but the but point is is like you know when you When you're focused on treating your business like a bank account and you're chasing these big dollar, these big dollar services, just realize that it is icing on the cake. It should not be, it absolutely should not be your fundamental strategy and it should not be the bulk of your business. Because here's the reality, and I've seen this happen several times. You know, you'll see an owner who decides, oh shit, I'm getting old. Pardon my language, you know, I'm getting old and I've got to sell this thing. And then they realize, well, I don't have a very valuable business because I've been chasing one time revenue. I've got to clean up. And the only way to clean up to create something that's sellable is recurring revenue, you know, with contracts. That's that's the only thing that people are really, you know, that you're going to be able to sell when you're done. And so then they have to make this transition as a business where they start focusing on getting good in either residential recurring or commercial recurring. And they have to take their focus off these big, you know, fence, you know, when I say big fence, you know, these big one time revenue um, services. And so what it looks like, it makes them look like crap, because now, you know, their revenue is falling. They're not growing. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is like really. And they don't have usually they don't have the patience to see it through. But if you look at their recurring revenue growth, you know, they're growing, you know, 20, 30, 40 percent. And so essentially what it looks like is it, it, it they have to have the patience to wait three to four years of either flat or negative growth while they build up that recurring to replace what they've been chasing as a bank account. Because the fact is, is that if you don't build a book of recurring business, either in commercial or residential, when you go to sell, you're not getting anything. You got nothing to sell. I mean, I've had several so. people it, come into my office to it's wanted to sell me a business that basically had nothing to they had nothing to sell even though they thought they did so anyway go ahead the the,
0: the um the, the problem with building the recurring business is you know that hundred thousand dollar bird job that that's sexy that 110 ten dollar quarterly or three time a year that's kind of a nickel and dime deal and it um you know it takes a lot of nickels and dimes to build a business. So like you said, three or four years, and uh, it's not cheap to do anymore. Um, but, but but you're right. We come, we we get people all the time, big companies, eight, nine million dollars that only have 40, 45 percent uh, recurring revenue. And they're expecting these big multiples. And that just
1: it's not there, you know. And, and I think this is one of the things that why we see so many door to door companies getting into our industry why we see so many private equity groups getting into our industry. It's because they they, they see and understand the value of recurring revenue. And, and the fact is, is that, you know, there's people out there who have to do those one-time services. And if you can make money doing it and you're set up to do it, great. But just realize, you know, we did bed bug at Triangle, literally to fund marketing for our residential program. <laughs> we took all our profit that we made there and we pot it right back into marketing so that we could grow our recurring revenue. And that's you know, a good this, strategy. That is a very
0: good strategy. Listen, you do that $100,000 bird job and then you make you dollars
1: know, $50,000 of profit and plow it back into marketing. I have no problem yep. with that. Yep, 100%. And, and the other thing too I would say out of this, you know, viewing your company as a bank account versus an investment, is that when you have those short-term blinders on and you're trying to make a lot of money right now, I mean, you really want to step back as an owner and start asking yourself some hard questions, because a lot of times I see people do that out of desperation. They have to have it. And so what I would say is, is back up and just really think about what you're biting off on. You know, to do a bird job, you're probably going to have to have a cherry picker. You're going to have to have equipment that you don't typically use. You're going to buy equipment that you're going to use maybe once or twice a year. You know, it just when you look at the big picture, I would say the same thing for tap insulation. Unless you're, of course, this is what you do all the time, which I seriously doubt most companies do stuff like this all the time because it's so. There's a few specialty companies out there that do
0: that, and that's fine. But it, you're right. If you don't have crews that are out there doing bird work mm-hmm. day in, day out, then you're not a bird company. Right. So,
1: and and we're not picking is, on bird bird because there's a <laughs> lot of money in bird control. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only using bird control as an example because they are there are big numbers if you can do that. I mean, there are big numbers if you do it well. But but I will ask you this, Dan: how many how many times does the bird job go into the valuation when you're looking to sell a company or represent a company to buy a company? very, very little. the 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 only one that I can think of is um,
0: early on there was a big bird company that um, actually sold to one of the, um, the equity companies that came over here from. Uh, from Europe, and um, they—that's—I one what's when you talk. Sorry, and that was the the first company that they bought was a bird company, and I, I don't think that they were real thrilled with their investment. I don't think they understood what they bought, and um, yeah. you know, so so that's um, how that worked well, out. It worked out great for the owner because he made a lot of money. But, uh,
1: so. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So then the next question becomes: Okay, if if you want to treat your company as an investment, you know, there's always, and by the way, I'm not one for, look, I take money out of the business just like everyone else does. But but there is this idea of being disciplined about how much you take out and, and you know, really viewing your business as, and, and you set it off pretty well here, Dan, in that, Hey, your business is kind of your 401k. It's your retirement plan. And so the next question you need to ask yourself is like, okay, if I back up for a moment and and just take off your, 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 your pest control brain just for a second and think to yourself, well, if I was going to invest, say, a dollar into, you know, I've got this portfolio of services, commercial, pest, residential, recurring, whatever, right? Out of all of the services that I could invest in, which should I focus on growing? And I will tell you, residential recurring, commercial recurring, they are the most valuable. Right now, and I think it's going to remain that way, and the reason is is because it takes a long time to build it unless you're knocking doors and it is stable, you know it's stable cash flow but but it takes time to build those things, and so then you'd have to step back and say, well i've got to start making a transition as a business to invest in you know this portfolio, however you want to look at it, that I know in the end is going to have the highest rate of return, and so um and this kind of gets back to your wealth circle that you talked about earlier, you know, in, in terms of retirement. And, and that, to me, is if you're an owner and you're thinking about this is why I have a business. I mean, number one, and I've said this before, and I think we're seeing it. I think having a business is fantastic because you can keep your investment in line with inflation. Right. We've been talking a lot about raising your prices. You can't do that if you have a bubble of cash sitting around. You know, if you if you had all your all your money, your retirement into, say, um, a bank account or, or some other investment and inflation goes up 10 percent. Well, now you basically have 10 percent less value than what you had before. Whereas in a, as an operating company, you can adjust your prices and now you can you can keep your you can keep your retirement in line with what's happening with inflation. So that's number one. But then but then number two is, you know, bringing it back to how do I make sure that I line the company up so that when it's time for me to exit, I know for certain that I'm going to get the maximum value for the dollars and the time that I put in, because, you know, that's the other part of this is it's a little different than from an investment An investment. You know, if you're going out to the market, the time commitment, the time commitment for that is probably stroking a check, making a transfer online. Now, this is your time, you know, your blood, sweat, tears, you know, you got to get paid for that as well. So, um, Anything to add to that, Dan, before we move on to the
0: you next slide. You know what's interesting is if you look at the real estate model, the, the 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 buy property, uh set it up as a rental property. So one of the things that you do is you, you know, you buy this piece of property for a million bucks, you maybe you put a seven or eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage on it. And so you have a little bit of positive cash flow, maybe not much. But what, the way you look at that investment is, okay, I put a million dollars in and right now, depending on what cap rate you're looking for, you're gonna get a 6% return or so. If you're in a really hot area, it might be less if you're in a not so hot area, not temperature wise, meaning uh, you know, popular area, um, you, you might get a little more. So let's say you get 6%, right? That's $60,000, okay. Um, And that's the way you do it. And so is 6% return on investment a good number? Well, if you asked me seven or eight months ago, I'd say, not so exciting. Right now the stock market's gone down, so it's very exciting. But at the end of the day, that million dollars, if you keep that building for 20 years, it also has this appreciation aspect. So in 20 years, that million dollar building might be, I don't know, worth two and a half million or three million or something. And it's the same thing with your business, right? You've got this business that's a million dollars in revenue, uh, best-in-class companies, 15 to 20 percent to owner. That comes to you. Maybe you invest some back, right? So that's your rental income, and then the appreciation on this asset called your company that goes from a million. So you hold it for 20 years. Maybe you build it, you double it, triple it, quadruple it, right? that goes to three or $4 million. And it doesn't matter what those valuation multiples are, right? Because as right. long as you're increasing, you're going to get more money. So, you know, everybody's talking about the valuation multiples and they are important. But if your runway is 10 or 15 years, you don't know what's going to happen. But what you do know is as long as you're growing revenue, that company going to be worth more upon exit than it is today. Right.
1: You actually have something to sell. The other thing I want to chat about, you know, because I think this is important. I think a lot of times when I talk to, you know, friends in the industry, this is something that they forget about. And, you know, when you think about your company as an investment, if you're going to go out and buy a stock, one of the things that you're going to look at is volatility, meaning that you're going to pay attention to risk. And, you know, it's no different when it comes to your company, you know. When you think about risk and you think about the long term game here, you know, I talk about residential recurring a lot. I talk about residential. I'm not sorry. I talk about commercial recurring a lot. There are things in our industry. That can absolutely sink you, you know, think about a, a lawsuit, you know, think about. Um, and by the way, there are people who have built successful business models on this. And so I'm going to what I'm getting ready to say I want to qualify with. If you know what you're really, really doing and you've got a very specific business model, it, this can work. But I don't like WDIRs. These are these termite letters, you know, the termite inspections. Um, we don't do them. We do them for current customers. But I, as a business strategy, I don't do it. Now, there are companies out there who use WDIRs as a business strategy and they've been very successful at it. Not without their licks <laughs> but, but my point here is, is that, you know, you need to take a look at your service offering. And really think about each service that you provide and say, OK, what are the risks of this, you know, damaging my investment, either through a lawsuit, an accident or whatever. And you need to think about that in terms of services that you provide. You know, how are you driving like trucks that you drive and, and when you got gone out on the highway? Because, I mean, man, we could do a whole episode on on driving and and how much risk you really have with trucks on the road, because you most insurance companies cap you know, driving liability, 800 K, which is woefully inadequate um, in my mind. So that, that's a big risk and that's something that we all take. And then the third one is employment, you know, having someone who sues you due to, you know, unfair unemployment practices or, or whatever. And so I think the other part of this equation is, is okay, number one is we need to line our business up so that we're we're, we're maximizing value from a service perspective, something that we can sell, but we also need to be wise about how do we protect that investment as we go along and making sure that we, you know, I dumb it down to the lowest common denominator. Right. Don't get into these services that require a ton of technical um, capability or a ton of risk, because I will tell you, at least in North Carolina, that's where I, I, I have the most knowledge. But, you know, we, you know, a typical WDR here is like 80 bucks. And, and if something is found after the fact that you missed, guess who's getting sued? for their 80 bucks, you make the least amount of money for that transaction. And in my mind, take on the most risk, you know, even, cause even like, if you look at some of the, these home inspectors, I just had one one of these home inspections done recently. And basically what they say is like, we're not responsible for anything. This is just a visual, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I don't know if you have anything to add to that in terms of risk, but I think it's an important thing to bring into your radar, especially as you're, you know, thinking about the long term for your business. Well, the, 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 there's definitely
0: business operation risk that you were talking about, you know, uh, termite damage, maybe a car accident, something like that. But there's also other risk that, you know, like the stock market, just watch what happened. It went up, right? Now that the economy is a little shaky, it went down. The same thing happens with the value of your business because of your customer base, right? If we go into recession, well, there's less money to, you know uh, to spend, so you may lose some customers now, I believe that if you're in a good market that you can never go backwards in terms of revenue for pest control. you could just slow your growth, in other words, you won't lose more uh business your your revenue won't go backwards. However, what I saw in two thousand seven, two thousand eight mostly people grew because of the bed bugs and everything else, but there were some towns. That um, or, or some areas that were very, very dependent upon manufacturing facilities that closed up. And those towns went into deep, deep recession, and the pest control companies there basically lost their shirts because the attrition was so high. But if if you look at the stock market as as the economy goes up and goes down, that's also the value of your business. So there's business risk and then there's investment
1: risk. And that investment risk is the value of your company. So. You just made a, a really important point there. And I want to emphasize it here for our listeners because it's it's really essential that that we pick up on this. And, and we've talked about this principle in a different way where we talked about um the CPI, you know, the consumer price index which the last time I checked, I hadn't checked it recently. I think it was like 8.8% or 8.9% or something like that. We went through and calculated it for our industry. and And what we calculated it to be at was like 16%. And so getting back to what Dan just said there is that when you think about risk, you also really need to think about your market and exactly what drives your market. So so here in Raleigh and in Charlotte and in you know in Texas where we're at, you know, a lot of those, you know, a lot of those markets, at least here, it's driven by technology. And so so long as technology is doing well, you know, we've got Red Hat here, we've got Apple, we've got Amazon, we've got a few kind of large tech companies here, we also have biotech here. Um, but but you're right, you know, if you're in an area that is heavily dependent on oil and then oil tanks. Now I'll get customers. So the point is, is like look at your micro market and understand what drives your micro market and make sure that you're set up to know like, if you're in some market that is like take Houston, for example, you know, in the oil industry. You know, Houston is a great city, but it's very oil dependent, like what's happening. And so just make sure you understand your micro market. You understand what drives it. If I was in Austin, I'd be looking at technology, right? Yeah, you could could span it out, whatever, but um, just make sure that you understand that from a risk risk perspective. So, okay, anything else to add to that, Dan, before we move on? As far as risk? Let's move on.
0: Business risk, investment risk, two different things, but two very important things as you look at your
1: company. So the last part I think we should talk about here is striking this balance. And this is a tough one. And I see a lot of people screw it up. I have personally screwed it up several times. And that is, how do I get, how do I balance this need for the, for the business to generate income to me while I still grow it as an investment? And I see people all over the map on this typical door to door company okay they are so much concerned about the long-term investment and the exit strategy they have no cash and they're broke okay really small guy who uses the business as a bank account they're all about getting as much cash out of the business and leave no money in for growth and they go broke that way too (laughs) so i mean so you've got both sides of the spectrum here right if you go too far on one side meaning you're looking at it from an investment perspective you can go broke if you go too far on the other side that you're looking for all the income you can get you can go broke, and so really, what you need to do is you need to make sure that you max, well, you optimize this balance, and this is a delicate balance. It's called the golden mean. You can call it whatever you want, where you're getting an appropriate amount of income, you know, but you're also building value. And, and I will tell you, I have screwed this up several times in my life. You know, when I was younger, I thought I could have it all. I thought I could make, you know, all this money and still grow an investment. And, and that got me into trouble a couple of times. Um, now that I'm a little bit older and the business is a little bit bigger, it's, it's quite a bit easy. But this gets back to the basics. I mean, you know, and I hate to, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to jump on a, on a soapbox here and I'm certainly not going to preach to people. But the fact is, is that you've got to be disciplined with your money. you got to be disciplined with your income and you've got to be willing as an owner that, you know sometimes you have to take a step back to take a step forward and that requires a step humility yeah. or a step yeah. back for two steps forward yeah definitely yeah it mm-hmm. 100 you know it's just it, it's so and i'm dan i think dan is probably well a lot more versed on this topic than i am because he sees us a lot more than i do i'm only talking from personal experience now i try to make sure i'm balanced because look at the end of the day i don't know how long i'm going to live right I can't tell you that i'm going to be alive next year or the year after that so i don't want to spend my life like living on pennies and i've got this nice big investment here that's you know kicking off a ton of money and all i do is spend my time growing it at the same time i don't want to <laughs> think that well i'm only going to live today <laughs> i don't build anything for in the future so it's finding that golden mean, right it's finding that right that place in the middle where you balance income now as well investment for future growth. So, all right, Dan, here you go. You know what we also see with that, and um,
0: this is violates the covenants of credit lines, is I see a lot of guys who get bigger, and because the bank is willing to lend them more money, they take the more money, and then they distribute it out, which is probably against the covenants of the, the loan, and then they go buy the boat or the, you know, the bigger house or whatever it is that they're going to, I can't tell you how many people I saw do that. The the other thing, you know, like with the government, or all of the stimulus, a lot of that money came out of the business and ended up buying fast cars, fast boats, you know, uh, other things, not legal, but definitely done. And so right. you've got to be disciplined, uh, with your money, but also with your use of credit, because it's a huge responsibility. When a bank or somebody else wants to, um, uh, you know, w- wants to lend you money, that that that's a compliment. That's a compliment to your business. Uh, be responsible about it. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Any, you know, one one question I have for you, Dan, is any advice for someone? Let, let's talk about folks who are. Kind of on those extremes here real quick, and then, and then we'll we'll finish out here. So if you've got someone who is – and I'm using door-to-door. It doesn't have to be door-to-door. I have fallen into this camp. and We don't do – we've not done door-to-door, you know, traditionally speaking, where they're taking all their extra money and they're growing the business, and it's basically they're growing broke. Advice for those folks, and then also bringing it back to advice for folks who – have so much of a lifestyle that they're trying to support that the business simply can't support it other than just stop spending the damn money, (laughs) which is, I know is really the answer, but advice for these folks that are kind of sitting here on the two extremes.
0: It's kind of interesting. So the, um, some of the door to door guys who are just running as hard as they can and building tremendous books of business that's pretty cool if you have the money if you don't have the money what happens and and I saw it a couple of times that's more than a couple of times where they have to actually bring in outside investors and/ or sell-off branches and when you do that you give up control and when you give up control you're not running your company and when you're not running your company then it's not as fun and you don't get the rewards and when things go bad um, you you know, you don't have any say in it. I would much rather have, and you tell me, I would much rather have 100% of a $5 million company than 5% of a $100 million company all day long, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. All day long. And most that's entrepreneurs, just me. <laughs> I, well, I think that's most entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, the reality of it is, is that most of them don't do well in larger companies. They just don't. You know, and I agree, I'm 100% with you on that. I would much rather have the full control because the reality of it is, is that, you know, when, when your retirement's on the line, when your, you know, your livelihood is on the line, you tend to make different decisions than, not always, but you tend to have a different perspective than most who are kind of looking to the next quarter. So, yes, I agree with that.
0: So, uh, that, and and remember that, that's extremely important because especially the whole door to door model is built off of getting a bigger and bigger crew and 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 you know each year it has to increase but remember if you're spending 60 70 80 90% of your revenue on marketing which is what door to door costs you're going to lose money unless your book of business is so big that in other words you've been around for a while so maybe, you know, average life of a customer, six, seven years, and you're in your seventh or eighth year, then you can stomach it. But if you're out there in your first, second, third, fourth year, be really, really careful. I'm not saying, I'm not against the door-to-door model at all. As a matter of fact, I pound my fist and say that it's one of the best ways to grow a business. It's just that it's, you know, it's it's walking a tightrope or um, I heard somebody say it's a it's, uh, it's it's tying yourself to a bungee cord, not knowing how that bungee, how long that bungee cord is when you start,
1: <laughs> right? Well, and I think yeah, it requires a high level of self-discipline because you know when your model works that well, you can go out there and get it. And then it becomes, what's your level of risk-taking? To the like, Are you willing to break the company? And I have seen several door-to-door companies who've done it extremely well and they've, they've ran hard and it's worked out. And likewise, I've seen companies who have ran hard they didn't have the discipline and they they basically went broke and had to sell. And so I think that's the, you know, the take home from this is that, you know, we talk about how do you find this golden mean? It's living a lifestyle where you're comfortable. You're obviously able to do what you need to do. You're, you're, you know, and you should be rewarded for owning your own business. I mean, it's a risk that you're taking, um, but at the same time, keep it in a place where you can continue to grow and play the long game because, you know, the reality of it is, is if you kill the goose, you know, you can forget the long game and, and, and now you, and now you're really screwed. Right. And not only do you not have anything to go in the future, you also got a, a freaking you know weight around your neck because you're going to have to recover from, you know, screwing it up along the way. So, um, so I, you know, I think probably the way to end this out and, and the way to just, I think probably the take home is, is understand, you know, what what you need in order to live and and be disciplined and don't run into or get into this this habit of overspending personally so that you can support a lifestyle that the business can't necessarily support. You know, make the business self-sustaining, make the business so it can be pretty healthy. And then after that, look for what you can get out of that. Don't flip it the other way, like what it takes to get me healthy, and then the business can figure it out because it's just not a good long-term strategy. So all right, so that's it of my soapbox. box. Dan, anything to add before we finish this session out? Yeah, the only thing I
0: would add is some of the b- most wealthy people I know are in the pest control business, but you can't look at those guys and say this is a get rich quick scheme. It is a long game. Those people who are really wealthy in this industry have been doing it for a very long time and have a very dif- uh, disciplined approach. So definitely for the younger guys, don't look at this as get rich quick because it's not, it's definitely not. One
1: hundred percent. All right, folks. Just a reminder: all the resources and topics we talked about today, which um, I mean, we can put up cost study and stuff like that up on there for the show notes for today, but they're all available on PMPIndustryInsider.com. Just take a look under the show notes tab that you see there on the website. And as always, we very much appreciate any uh, any time you take to rate and review the podcast. We love doing this. We love sharing our thoughts with other folks and trying to help folks within the industry. And with that, we're going to sign off. It was great seeing everyone.